Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, welcome to the Become Fire podcast. This is your host, Deacon. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey, sorry, but... you want to be the host? No, no, it was just clicking into something. Mm. <laughs> I see. I'm not sure what you were clicking into before I was so really interrupted. This is your host, Father Peter Teresa McConnell. It's good to be back with all of you. And uh, for our 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 last episode of the season with Deacon Elijah. Our last episode with me. You are returning to Detroit after after your summer here in Phoenix. Yes. The land of, of Motown and good beats calling me back. Well, I hope it's more than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a calling me. <laughs> so Deacon, you've uh how's your summer been? This is uh fast. Yeah, it really has been incredibly fast. fast. <clears throat> you're um, you're leaving and Father Anthony's coming. I know, crazy. You're just keeping the seat warm for him. Yeah. And then he'll keep it warm for you when you come back to us. Yeah, well, but he'll still be in his seat, right? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so my seat will be cold. It'll just be a different seat. Well, you might sit in his seat. Well, just, oh, wow. Okay. Wow. This is like musical chairs. It could be, yes. Okay. We're adding a chair. We don't know who's going to sit in what chair. We don't know who's going to sit in it. But your chair is going to be the same. For sure. Okay. Yeah. The chair of Peter. That's right. Can't mess with that. <laughs> so how's your summer been? It's been a good summer. It's been a fast summer. You've worked really hard this summer. Give us, give us, share, share the people have got some, just some reflections on your summer. Oh boy. Um, no, it's been great. It's been an amazing summer. Uh, I love being here. I love being with the people. Um, it feels like some of the stuff I've done i did like five years ago mm. which is crazy yeah um like just thinking about the, the beginning of the summer where there was still summer school with yeah. st peter's kids so like that feels like that was like five years ago Whew, yeah really weird but um uh, it's it's been great doing doing um a lot with the youth this summer and yeah. we went to steubenville conference which was amazing um we got a lot of time just uh Hang out at the different missions, uh, a couple of feast days. Um, for those yep. of you who don't know, we have in you know, a specific uh, feast days for the the patron or patronesses of our different missions. Yep. Um, so we get to just hang out with the people. And so a lot of really good stuff, preaching, going around and doing house blessings. And Amen. Real Baptizing. Fun. Real good. Baptizing, preaching. Yeah. Doing all the things. It's a deacon on fire. I don't know why I'm going into a Southern drawl, but <laughs> <laughs> you said baptizing. <laughs> He's starting to do a Southern Baptist on us. I know. Which is interesting because I think Baptists don't actually think that baptism. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's not right. It's very, yeah. Who knows? I can't keep track of it all. We can do that on a different so episode. Th- another day, another And podcast. I'll put the accent on for you. Oh, that would be great. <clears throat> yeah. But we're definitely going to miss you. Well, thank you. And we're definitely going to miss you in the podcast. It's been a good run. It's been a good run. We have been, I don't know how much of a running I've been doing this summer. Yeah. Uh, there's been a, a lot of slow walking. Hey. 
the heat is just you can't run outside unless you're in really good shape. I, I saw some people running this morning. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you follow them? No, I walked. Yeah. I took a walk. I was just, you know, like you said, running is just kind of crazy. It's so. dangerous. Well, Deacon. Well. We thought it would be efficacious. <laughs> we thought it would be expedient. Mm. We thought it would be edifying. Exceptional. Exceptional. If maybe we just did uh, like a wrap up, mm. like a like a sacramental smorgasbord of a podcast. Whoa. So this yeah. episode, dear listener, we are going to just hit some some random topics in regards to the sacraments and just kind of talk about them. And we're going to be jumping all over the place. Some things that we didn't quite get to when we you know, were talking about them because we were just trying to talk about so much. There's just so much in the sacraments. We could done a whole series just on one sacrament and really just sunk our teeth into it. Uh, but we just ran through it. It was a sprint. And so we're just going to take this opportunity to... To just kind of like hit, hit on some some random facts, some random tidbits. It's going to be a little bit of a smorgasbord. It's going to be like Thanksgiving. You're going to come up to the buffet. You're going to get some mashed potatoes. You're going to get some green beans. You're going to get some turkey. You're going to get some uh, some more mashed potatoes, some gravy, maybe some cranberry. Just a little, just a little taste of everything this episode. Mm. You hungry now? I wonder how many complaints Father Anthony will get. From some of the things we've spoken about over the past few episodes. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get any complaints. You don't think so? No. Sometimes I just feel like we're branching out a little bit. Are we? Uh, maybe. I feel like we're in our wheelhouse. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but anyways, it's going to be a sacramental smorgasbord. That's what this podcast is. Okay. Be. Well, here we go. So the first thing. That we didn't get to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important just to say, Deacon, that the church actually obliges mm. its members yes. to receive two of the sacraments at least once in a year. Yes. And I don't think a lot of people know this, that you are actually required by the church's law. If you're a member of the church, you are subject to her, her laws, her canon law. And we are required by church law to receive the sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of penance, mm -hmm. at least once a year. Yes. And then you are also then obliged to receive the sacrament of, of the blessed sacrament mm -hmm. once a year. Yeah. Would you be so kind as to maybe read us those canons? Am I just making this up right now? Let me look, Father. I hope I'm not making it. No, you're not. So this is from the Code of Canon Law. Um, if you are interested, you can just Google Code of Canon Law, Catholic Code of Canon Law. Um, but this is from Canon 989. And it says, after having reached the age of discretion, which for the church would be seven, each member of the faithful is obliged to confess faithfully his or her grave sins at least once a year. So once a year, the church requires us to go to confession. Yes. So if it's been a year, you need to go. That's right. You need to go. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid. Yeah. Especially it, grave sins. 
Yes, especially grave sins. I mean, either way, you have to do it once a year, but yes. you don't want those those grave sins weighing down on no, you. It's just going to... So the longer that you wait, just in my own experience from way back when, but the longer you wait, the harder it is sometimes. So just asking for the grace yeah. and just going. Yeah. Um, and especially if you maybe haven't been to mass in a while either Mm -hmm. and just all of that can just start weighing on Mm -hmm. you and the enemy can really just start playing with you and making you feel either ashamed or unworthy or whatever um that the the sacrament of confession is meant to reconcile you with jesus so that you can receive him and then would you be so kind as to read us that second article of canon law yes so this is from canon 920 After being initiated into the Most Holy Eucharist, each of the faithful is obliged to receive Holy Communion at least once a year. This precept must be fulfilled during the Easter season unless it is fulfilled for a just cause at another time during the year. Yeah, so I think there's just a couple things here. I think sometimes we can confuse like the obligation to go to Mass with like the obligation to receive Communion. Mm -hmm. Um, where, but you are obliged to go to mass every Sunday. You are to keep the 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 Lord's day holy and and to worship God on Sundays. Uh, but your divine law, <clears throat> Amen, Amen. That's divine law. That's right, brother. Yeah, that ain't that ain't human law. That ain't the church law. That's that's divine law. And then, but you're not obliged to receive communion every Sunday because there might be reasons why you should not receive communion. Perhaps you have committed a grave sin mm-hmm. and you have not yet been able to go to confession. Yeah. And so if that is, you know, an individual situation, but then uh, you are obliged once a year to receive communion and it has to be, you have to receive communion during the Easter season. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty, pretty cool well, that they make it the Easter season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, especially because during that time, there's a lot of sacraments going around so a lot of initiating Mm -hmm. uh, new new catholics into the church or fully initiating christians into the church um but you know sometimes people might be surprised by that too yeah like why is it why is it that we only have to receive the eucharist one time a year yeah um i think some of this you know some of the law that we have now kind of carries over but initially you know there was a time in the church where people had a kind of like a hypersensitivity mm-hmm. um, where they they felt totally un, un, unworthy to receive the blessed sacrament so much so that they wouldn't receive the blessed right. sacrament, even if they weren't in a state of, of mortal sin. sin. So um, the church, you know, wanting her children to receive the Bible, soul and divinity of, of the Lord uh, made it obligatory. So, um, so again, like for us, it's not that we're saying, Well, you know, just receive the Eucharist once a year, but it it is like we're saying that you should, you know, dispose yourself to always be able to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. But the obligation is to come to Sunday Mass, and then the obligation is only to have to receive the Eucharist one time a year, even though we should receive it as as often as as we could. There's an interesting point you make about there was a, a time in the church where there was like a hypersensitivity to receiving the Eucharist, uh, you know, given Paul's assessment of the situation. And uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians. 
where he says, you know, if you receive communion unworthily, then mm-hmm. you eat and drink condemnation upon yeah. yourself, you know? Yeah. And I don't think, I think we might, I think the, the pendulum has swung the other way yep. in, in our, in our, in our time now. And, and I think communion is, can be, can be seen as this thing that, that everyone should be allowed to do and everyone should just partake of because it's, you know, we don't want to exclude anyone we come together and we're, we're, we're around the, the Lord's table. And so, you know, the, the Lord is, is kind and merciful and, and all these things, which all that's hundred percent true. Uh, the Lord is kind, the Lord is merciful, but, but the Lord is also, uh, you know, he's very, very serious about this as well. And as he reveals to us in scriptures. And so, so that's why it is important that the church requires us to go to confession once a year mm-hmm. um, and to receive the, the, the Eucharist once a year. Yeah. Um, and so I think we can see that, you know, they say that, that law is a teacher um, and, you know, law teaches us about things. And I think these laws then teach us kind of the proper attitude and dispositions we should have towards these sacraments. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that, you know, we, we talked about a couple of times how a, a sacrament can be valid, meaning it was done the right way, but not fruitful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is where, you know, this can kind of apply to is like you're saying, Father, you know, it could, it could go the other way where it's just we just received the, the, the blessed sacrament almost almost like, well, this is just what we do, you know. Yeah, and I don't Odin. think I don't think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people who I think, you know, we know, and, and I think a lot of people, thanks be to God, who, who come to our missions and whatnot are really receiving the Lord, you know, that they, they know that's Jesus, Mm -hmm. but we can all, we can all kind of fall into like the Catholic, like robot type of thing, where it's just like, I'm just doing the thing Mm -hmm. that we do as Catholics. And so we have to be even, you know, very cautious about that and uh, remember that we do need to dispose ourselves, which first and foremost, again, means that we have gone to confession if we have sin, um, that if we have missed mass without a good reason that we need to go to confession first before coming back to receive the blessed sacrament. But that even if you have missed mass yep. <laughs> or you are in a state of sin, you know, that you are obliged still to go to mass. That's right even if you can't receive the Eucharist and um, it's, it's not, you know, you can get that attitude where it's like, well, I'm already in a state of mortal sin. So like, well, what does it matter? And it's like, well, you don't want to add sin to sin. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to mm-hmm. keep keeping it up because the more you do that, the harder the repentance yeah. will be, you yeah. know, you can dispose yourself to receive the grace of repentance by actually continuing to do the things you're meant to do as a Catholic, yeah. or you can close yourself off to that by just kind of being like, whatever, you know? Yeah. So I think a lot of this, it just kind of goes back to, you know, that, that the church wants us to fruitfully receive the Lord and, and the church wants us to yeah. continue to grow in holiness. The, that canon, I think you said it was 920, the 920? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well done, Father. That's what I'm here for. Yes. It says that you're to receive communion during the Easter season unless like a just reason would prevent or or otherwise allow Mm -hmm. this to happen. And I'm trying to remember exactly what the situation was just a few years ago where our our church is basically shut down. Yeah. Um, And I know it happened in the middle of Lent. 
And I don't know if they opened back up uh, in the Easter season or not. I, I, I don't I don't quite remember. Um, but obviously that would be a reason uh, that would be a just reason not to receive communion during the Easter time if, if the churches aren't open. Yeah, <laughs> you can't go. Um, but anyways, that leads me into the next thing I wanted to to kind of bring up because we all lived through it during the during the the time of, of lockdown was this idea, this notion, the, the, this belief that we have of spiritual communion. Yeah, um, and. You know, perhaps none of us had ever heard of such a thing until lockdown happened. And all of a sudden the church is saying, oh, yeah, we can just do spiritual communion. Yeah, we'll just do spiritual communion. And and maybe that was, you know, shocking to, to their, you know, the, the experience certainly was shocking. But maybe that was, maybe that was confusing for people about spiritual communion. You know, is this equal to, you know, sacramental communion and, uh, you know. Maybe it's the first time we've heard of it. And so uh, what what is, you know, spiritual communion? Yeah, so um, I think the easiest way to talk about this is that, you know, the church teaches that there are three ways to grow in grace. And so it's through the sacraments, it's through uh, desire or prayer, and then through merit. And so when we're talking about something like a spiritual communion, we're talking about the desire to receive the sacrament, the desire to receive the grace of the sacrament while not being able to physically receive the sacrament. Um, and so the church says and tells us that uh, in those circumstances where we can't physically receive the sacrament, that it is possible by faith for us to receive the grace of the sacrament. Um, and so the grace can be given, um, you know, outside the, the physical sacrament itself um, through desire or faith, you know. So when we make a, a you know, there's there's some saints that would would make a um, a spiritual communion, you know, many times a day. Mm -hmm. um, and this was, you know, a way for them to, to unite themselves to the Lord. Now, it's it's not the same exact thing as receiving, you know, the physical body, mm -hmm. blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the in the Eucharist in that way. Um, but it it does work um again by faith, and we do receive, you know, some of the the grace that is present in that sacrament by desiring to unite ourselves to Jesus in the Eucharist when you know we're not able to do that. I, I like the the Council of Trent kind of says there are kind of three different groups who receive uh, the, the the sacrament or communion. There are those who just receive it sacramentally, mm -hmm. uh, but not spiritually. Yeah. Then there are those who receive it spiritually, but not sacramentally. And then there are those who receive it both sacramentally and spiritually. Mm. So that first group would be, you know, if you go to if you go to mass on Sunday and you receive communion, but you're in a state of sin and you're not receiving any of the spiritual benefits from it, you have received it sacramentally, but you have not actually received it spiritually. Yeah. Um, and then there are those for whatever reason who then might be deprived of the opportunity to receive it sacramentally so that they can then receive it spiritually. Uh, but then, you know, 
we want to be because um, you know if we are have the opportunity the ability to to be at mass then we want to to receive it not just sacramentally but we want to receive it spiritually as well that that the sacraments i think i think this also is a good reminder for us that the sacraments are not magic tricks yeah they don't just work without our cooperation with our our are engaging our intellects, engaging our wills, engaging our hearts, um, desiring what they want to give us, as you were just kind of mentioning, kind of getting into that like Catholic robot mode of like drive to church on Sunday, walk down the walk down the aisle, receive the sacrament, and then drive home and just kind of like rinse, wash, repeat, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we want to be really tapped into receiving it spiritually, um, and the church teaches and the church believes that you can then uh, receive uh, and, and participate in, in the graces of it spiritually. I know Teresa of Avila, you know, talked about cultivating just a perpetual constant desire in her heart uh, for the blessed sacrament. And, you know, we can even do this, you know, if you're, you're driving down the road and, and you pass a Catholic church, you know, you might be in the the habit of blessing yourself because you're you're passing the blessed sacrament, but but even then more, I think you know we can just desire to be united to the heart of Jesus that's hidden there in the tabernacle, or um, or just different things like that. You know, if you can't make it to daily mass, uh, you know, you can spend some time in prayer, just desiring and uniting and, and spiritually communing with Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. Yeah. Amen. So I think that then leads us into uh, sort of maybe the, the the next thing where we have just just been kind of we've just been talking about you can receive the graces of a sacrament without actually receiving the sacrament itself. And I think maybe where this is most Uh, maybe not played out because we don't we don't know. I would never dare to presume, but um, but where I think the question resides the most is with baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we believe and we teach that that baptism is the ordinary. It is the ordinary means of of grace and salvation, um, and. And then, so then the, so that the baptism then is a, is a necessary prerequisite for salvation, um, which then necessarily then the question arises: well, does that mean that if you are not baptized, then you cannot go to heaven? And I think then most kind of poignantly about, you know, those who, who never had the chance, never had the opportunity um, uh, to be baptized, you know, can they... Uh, can they then uh, also then be saved? Can they receive the graces that one would have received had they been baptized? Yes. Oh, that was a nice tidy answer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, so again, um, when we talk about the sacraments, um, there's a couple of things that we could look at with this too. And, and if you look in the early church, Oftentimes, you know, we're, we're so used to, I think in, in our day and age that, um, especially for 
for, you know, Catholics that we baptize infants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, any good Catholic family knows that when they have a child that, you know, it's good to get the, the child baptized, you know, as soon as they can. Um, so when we talk about that as kind of being the norm, like Mm -hmm. that wasn't always the norm, you know, the norm Mm -hmm. in the early church, especially when the church was first growing and, and the, the, the evangelization was, was first kind of taking off a lot of the people being baptized were adults and this process would often take two or three years. And so what a lot of the, the church fathers like St. Augustine or St. Ambrose, um, would say is that even though the person who is in this process of preparing for their baptism, Mm -hmm. you know, for two or three years, um, has not received the physical sacrament of baptism, um, they still receive by desire the grace. And this was important because, well, what, what happens if this person dies during their process of being initiated into the church and and doing all the things that they needed to do? A lot more, uh, a lot more hoops to jump through in the early church. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Three years, um, but so the church recognizes very early on that that this is something that you know that is happening. You know that the yeah. Lord, through faith, you know through faith, someone can receive this grace. Now, that being said, even though the the grace is received. Um, it is not the same as, again, it is not the same as receiving mm. the actual sacrament of baptism. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, and, and one of them being that baptism of desire does not make you a, a visible member of the church. Yeah. You're not, you don't receive character mm. through baptism of desire. Um, and so just as through sacramental baptism, you receive the character, you become a visible member of the church, and that character is indelible. Um, and that character also explains why someone wouldn't have to be baptized a second time and why if that person were to fall into mortal sin, they can then receive forgiveness and that sacrament can, in a sense, come back to life. Um, it's not the same with baptism of desire, Mm. you know, um, they don't receive that character. They don't receive, um, the status as a visible member of the church. They are not able to receive the other sacraments physically, mm-hmm. you know, the, the actual sacraments. And so um, we do want to make a distinction between the two because we don't want to just right. say, well, you can just, you For know, sure. receive Jesus in your heart and be whatever. Yeah. But we do want to acknowledge the power of faith yes. and that the Lord does acknowledge that a person is tending toward, toward that sacrament. Yes. The other thing I think that's really important is... I think I just want to maybe just clarify here too that like we talk about the sacraments as the ordinary means that Christ yeah. has set up, mm-hmm. um, and this is how God wants to work. Yeah, this is the way He has set it up. This is the, what He has given us. But also then acknowledging that He's not then bound to only work in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, along those lines, it's really important to to just assert and affirm that it's not baptism of desire that saves somebody. It's, Mm. it's Jesus. It's Jesus's merits. Yes. And so when we talk about the baptism of desire, we're not talking about like something that's outside of the, the way in which the Lord, you know, desires to save Mm -hmm. us because ultimately it all comes through, you know, it all comes through the Lord's sacrifice. Um, but what we're saying is like you're saying, father, it's a, 
It's an extraordinary means of Jesus who is not bound to the sacraments the way we are, who is able to, uh, through faith working in the person, give them that grace, um, for whatever reason it might be. And, And oftentimes it's, when we're talking about the baptism of desire, it is the person who is preparing for baptism. It is the person mm-hmm. who doesn't have anybody to baptize them. Mm-hmm. It's the person who, um, you know, for whatever reason, can't go to RCAA classes mm-hmm. because, you know, they're living in an area where people are hostile to Christianity and they yeah. have to be like, they have to be very cautious about how they're doing it or they yeah. can put them or their families in danger, you know? So it's, right. it's not just the person who says, well, I just desire Jesus, but I don't really want to go through this mm-hmm. whole thing. You know, no, that would sure. not be baptism of yeah. desire. <laughs> that would be laziness. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, we are talking about, uh, you know, specific circumstances where the Lord yeah. can provide that grace for people. Yeah. And then I think maybe where this question then is experienced most poignantly is then um, what about those who had no opportunity to be baptized? Yeah. Um, and and uh, specifically like those, maybe, you know, a family Catholic and they experience the tragedy of a miscarriage, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we have this teaching where the church says, well, well baptism is necessary for salvation. And then, through nobody's fault, this this soul, this child of God, never had that opportunity to experience or to receive what God has ordinarily set up for their salvation. And so, what? How do we reconcile these these things? Yeah. So, <clears throat> a couple of things with that. Um, I think when this kind of was developing in the church. And there was a, there was a time when, um, you know, as a church, we thought that we had kind of evangelized the whole world right? <laughs> and we hadn't yet discovered yes. the new world where we, yep. you and I are sitting today. Amen. Right. Um, and so it, it, around the 16th century, you have some, you know, very solid Catholic theologians discussing this question of what about people who never had the the gospel preached to them. Mm-hmm. They didn't know anything about Jesus. You know, what about them? And, um, and while this is, we just have to say, this is a mystery. Yes. So we're not saying, you know, yes, they are saved. No, they're not saved. Yes. But the way that the church, I think talks about this is that, um, if those people, you know, would have had some kind of faith in Christ, you know, like if they would have accepted the Messiah, um, we talk about the difference between an explicit and an implicit faith. Yeah. So an explicit faith, meaning I explicitly hear and know and, and acknowledge Jesus as savior or an implicit faith, meaning that, you know, sometimes in, you know, another religion, they just have a sense of God. And so like they worship God, but they haven't yet received the gospel. So they don't know fully who he is. Yes. Um, but implicitly they're putting faith in Jesus, in the Messiah. And we can say that it is possible in that circumstance for them to receive through desire, even if they don't know about baptism, even if they don't know the need for baptism, because again, they haven't received the gospel, but it's at least possible for them to receive that grace of baptism of desire. Amen. Amen. And then what about for the infant? who who 
who is miscarried. Yeah. So, um, so we look at, uh, first the, the example of St. John the Baptist, mm-hmm. who is said to be sanctified from the womb. Mm. Um, and then also we look at the Holy Innocence. Yes. Which we celebrate. Um, is that, that's after Christmas, after Christmas, right? I believe it's uh, the 28th. I 28th. Think, December 28th. And so these are babies who were never baptized, yeah. who, um, you know, many, many of them were just, you know, killed while they were in the womb, you know, mm-hmm. so, so very tragic thing, but we acknowledge them as martyrs. Mm-hmm. And so we say that they would have received something called the baptism of blood, yeah. uh, which is similar to the baptism of desire. Um, someone who dies for Christ before they are able to be baptized. Yeah. Um, but so we see through these examples, at least the, again, the possibility. Right. Um, and so the, ch- the church, you know, talks about, again, the possibility that the parents can provide, uh, the church can provide the desire and the faith for the child to make up for the lack of the sacrament itself. Yeah. Um, and so even those in the womb, so again, it's, it's, um, it's a way that the church kind of is speaking about something that is mysterious, mm-hmm. but that she's acknowledging that this is at least a possibility, yeah. um, that this could be so, yeah. yeah, that the, that you were, you were kind of making the distinction that, you know, for the, 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 you know, the person who's going through RCA has this faith in, in, in Christ and it's, it's, it's faith in the saving act of Jesus that it's that desire for that is what saves them. And then and it seems in this situation that it's the faith of the parents um, in, in, in the saving acts of Jesus is, is providing the, the faith for this child who was never baptized yeah. to experience the saving grace of, yeah. of Jesus. Yeah, and I just with this too, because sometimes um, what we don't want people to hear is that this is, you know, this, there's, there's no, um, danger mm-hmm. if you don't try to baptize your child, right. you know? So it's, it's a way to, to know that the Lord can cover a situation, Yes, you know, that there is a possibility that the Lord can cover a, a very tragic, sometimes very hard situation, but not to negate the responsibility of the parents to, to get the child yes. baptized, you know, as, as soon as they, they can get the child baptized. These are extraordinary means. Yeah. And you should avail yourselves of the ordinary means as Christ has desired us to do if possible. But the church recognizing that sometimes it's the ordinary means are impossible. And so when God's not bound to it and there are, there is the possibility for extraordinary means. Yeah. Amen. The Lord's mercy. The Lord is more merciful than we could ever dream or imagine. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, Deacon, I think that's all the time we got for today. Uh-huh. We've wrapped it up. We put a bow on it. We did. It's a nice bow. <laughs> it's a nice bow. <laughs> it is a nice bow. Deacon, as you leave us for the season and as you prepare to go to Detroit, mm. your last year of seminary, yeah. run through the tape, finish the job, Come, you're going to come back to us. Uh, give us one thing that you will really miss about Phoenix and, mm. and the, the house or the apostle down here. And then one thing you're really looking forward to in Detroit. One thing I will really miss here. Well, I mean the people it's just always, yeah. it's always hard for me to leave the people here. Yeah. Um, yeah, one thing brother. that I am looking forward to, I mean, I love the, the people in Detroit. Too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I sound mean, like a real people person. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a it's a blessing to be able yeah. to to minister to the people of God. Amen. You know. So Amen. yes. Well, excellent. From one people to another people. From one people to another people. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, the podcast will miss you. Uh, the people in Phoenix will miss you. I know everyone who's listening to this podcast is like, well, we don't know. He's want to see him. We're not going to live in Phoenix. What's a big deal? But uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we'll but miss they you. Will we'll gain miss you on the Father podcast. Our, our listeners back, right? will. Our our listeners will miss you. <sighs> and you know, hopefully, Father Anthony come back and really kind of steer this shit back <laughs> in a direction as you and I have been. You know. Yeah. Just been trying our best. Yes. Yes. That's all we can do. That's all the Lord asks for. Or he'll come back and start talking about, you know, Muppets and Sesame Street and... That would be amazing. Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Well, Deacon, it's been a pleasure. And please know that we will be praying for you. And I just encourage all of our listeners to pray for Deacon Elijah as he finishes his last year's seminary. Uh, but before that, would you please pray for us one more time? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for the great gift of your sacraments, Lord. We thank you for the teachings of the church and for all of the graces that you impart to us through your sacraments. And we ask that as we continue to follow you, Lord, as we continue to become more and more like you in our day to day, that you would Give us a greater desire, a greater reverence, and a greater faith so that we might receive each of the sacraments as fruitfully as possible and that we might be conformed to your most sacred heart. We entrust this intention to Our Lady. So we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.